The scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you were with us last week, you heard me read from one of my favorite pieces of music related to the Christmas season, and I'm going to share that with you again this morning. And the dream is still alive from that first December morning, and it always will survive as long as we can see that the dreams that we find in life are the dreams we tend to seek, and Christmas has its promises to keep. The dreams that we find in life are the dreams that we tend to seek. We find what we expect to find. When we look for God's dreams in our lives and in the world, we find those dreams, and we find ways to make those dreams reality. Have you ever considered the Christmas story revolutionary? Have you ever considered the Christmas story a tale of a complete change of the world, a worldwide change? Now, we are experiencing this year with COVID a worldwide change, something we could never have imagined, something we could never have foreseen, at least not the normal folks, something that we are just living through as best we can, a worldwide change. The Christmas story was about a worldwide change that was unanticipated, that it was, it was not what people expected. And that's what Mary is talking about as she sings her song. Last week we heard from John the Baptist. John was talking about repentance and a clean heart being the way to prepare for the coming of the Messiah so that we would be ready to see the glory of the Lord in an unexpected way. Today we hear the words of Mary. Mary was a teenage, unwed mother. She was sent to her cousin Elizabeth's home. Elizabeth was also a mother-to-be. Both of these women were embarrassments to their family. Elizabeth was much too old to be a mother, despite the fact that Israel had in its tradition and its history the story of Sarah, who gave birth to Abraham's child at a very advanced age. That wasn't remembered when Elizabeth announced that she was expecting. She was an embarrassment for expecting a baby that late in life. And here is Mary, a teenager engaged to be married, and she turns up pregnant with some cockamamie story about an angel and a visit from an angel and bearing God's child. Oh, my goodness, it's almost too much to bear, much less believe. 
Mary got sent to stay with Elizabeth while her family tried to figure out what would happen and what needed to happen to her. Mary and Elizabeth, even though they were embarrassments to their family, they both knew the dream that God dreamed for the world. They both shared a God-sized dream that through the family of Abraham, God would bless the whole world, that both Jews and Gentiles would come to know that God loves them and wanted a relationship with them. And both of these women knew, because God had told them, both of these women knew that their sons would be a part of that new world order. Last week, again, John the Baptist talked about preparing the way and the preparation that needed to take place in our hearts. Today, Mary's song sings praise to a Lord who has chosen her to be the mother of his son, and she shares what the coming world will look like. She shares the world that John the Baptist is calling people to prepare for. She shares the world that her son and Elizabeth's son will help create. She shares what the world will look like when God's dream is realized, when the mountains are made low, when the deep dark valleys are raised up and flooded with light. Her song is revolutionary. It overthrows the usual world order in which the strong and powerful rule and the weak, the weak never stand a chance. It's a new world order where mercy always is free instead of where mercy cost, because in the world order that Mary was experiencing, mercy was never free. And the people who begged for mercy paid dearly for it, if they received it at all. Mary's song is the dynamite that will lower the mountains and will raise the valleys and will create a smooth world road, a smooth road for the Lord to walk in on. So what does this new world look like? Mary tells us again that mercy, mercy is free in this world. Mercy is free to those who need it, who freely request it, and mercy is freely given by those who have it in abundance. And not because mercy doesn't cost, oh no, mercy had a very high cost, but because God has already paid that cost. God has paid the cost through the life and death of his son, Jesus. And because of that, there is enough mercy for all. There's enough mercy for all generations. God shares his mercy and he expects us to share what we have received from him with as many others as possible. In this new world, mercy is free. And the humble, the humble are lifted up those who are never noticed, the shy child who sits in the back corner in the classroom, the child who is bullied because maybe he doesn't wear the right clothes or she doesn't wear the right clothes, the, the homeless person on the street who is too embarrassed to even raise his head and look when you and I walk by, the people who are never noticed, the people that we overlook, the people 
for whom looking in their eyes and actually seeing them as real people is inconvenient for us. It's inconvenient and it challenges our comfort and it challenges our sense of stability. These are the people who are lifted up. They are lifted up, the ones that we choose to ignore, the ones who just don't fit in our comfortable lifestyles. These are the ones who are lifted up. Perhaps they are lifted up so finally, finally we are forced to notice them. We are forced to acknowledge that they are persons of worth, just as worthy as we are, not for any reason specifically related to life, but because they are God's children, just as we are. Mary says the humble are lifted up, the ones who are constantly overlooked and ignored. God will lift them up. The hungry are fed. This means the ones who are physically hungry, the ones who go to bed with growling stomachs, the ones who are so busy worrying about where their next meal will come from that they can't think of anything else, the parents who hear their children crying at night because they haven't had enough to eat. And it's very easy for us in our nice houses, in our warm houses, with our stocked pantries, to not realize that there are people all around us who go to bed hungry every night. That's the reason we have so many food pantries across Macon. That's the reason we have churches that do backpack buddy programs so that children can take backpacks home and not go hungry from Friday afternoon until Monday morning. The hungry are fed so that when their tummies are full, they can then begin to pay attention to other things. But I don't believe this refers to just the, those who are physically hungry. I think it also refers to those who are spiritually hungry. The people who long for, the people who hunger and thirst for a deeper relationship with God. These people will also be fed. They will be fed a closer relationship. They will be fed discernment and wisdom to know what to do and how to live their lives in the world around them. They will be fed in a very spiritual way. And as people are recognizing that mercy is free and that the humble are lifted up and the hungry are fed, the rich will be reminded that they've already received their reward, that they've already gotten the best they're going to get as good as it gets in this world, as will the persons who enjoy positions of power, the kind of power that comes with a position that our culture lifts up, the kind of power that comes with an elected position or, or a high-powered job, these people will be told, you've received your reward. Now go about your business in peace. Mary tells us that the captives will be released. These are the physical captives, the people who have been jailed. Perhaps it's the people who have been jailed by a system that holds certain people to a different level of justice, a different standard of justice. Certain people are, are held down because it's anticipated that they will commit crimes because it's anticipated that they will never behave like they should. These people, 
the people that we have jailed, they will be set free, they will be released. But it's more than that, it's deeper than that. The captives of our culture, the people, again, those who have been deemed unworthy of better opportunities, of higher chances, those people will be released and they will be allowed to grow and to develop because they have been released into opportunities and possibilities previously denied. The captives will be made free. Those who are literally captive in a jail cell and those who are captive because we have created systems that keep them in captivity. Psalm 126 tells us that those who sow with tears will reap with great joy. So those who are willing to do the work of preparing for the coming Lord, the work that we have to do in our hearts, the work that we have to do in our hearts to acknowledge that we aren't perfect, that we don't always get it right, the work that we have to do in our hearts to acknowledge that sometimes our hearts are so hard that there's just no room for mercy, no room for grace, no room for love. The work that we do in our hearts so that we can recognize the Messiah when we see him, wherever he is, even in the lives of people that don't necessarily look worthy to us, and those willing to do the work of preparing for the Lord in our communities, reaching out into the communities, offering mercy, offering freedom to the captives, offering to feed the hungry, offering to, to sit down face to face with the humble and the ignored and the forgotten and treat them as real people, treat them as children of God. And then those who are willing to do the work of preparing for the Lord in our congregations, of encouraging our congregations to look beyond the four walls of the church, to get out into the community, to meet the people who don't come to church, and to let those people see Jesus in them. The people who are willing to do the work of being a light to the world, those people will scatter seeds of joy. And as they scatter the seeds of joy, those seeds will grow up into the world that is dreamed by the Lord God Almighty and is spoken of throughout all of the scripture that we read. Those seeds of joy will grow into the world that God wants us to help him create. Ladies and gentlemen, will you do the work of preparing for the Lord, both in your heart and in your community? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.